Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Welcome in to the Inside Carolina Live Day After Podcast. It has been an adventure to get here. As always, we're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. That's Buck Sanders. That's Jason Staples. I'm Tommy Ashley. Shout out to everybody joining us. We're a little quicker in the intro, and quite frankly, the duct tape is currently holding this all together. I'm in the <laughs> lobby of the Weston. Um, folks want to join live, they're welcome to come over here and join live. Buck, let's get right into this game, and shout out to the almost 200 people already in here. That's why I could not fail you. I was running through the Weston looking for some good internet. I don't know if it'll work, but Buck, hell of a football game last night just down the street here in Charlotte, wasn't it? I, I think I could say I'm fairly pleased with uh, you know, everything that happened uh, for the most part. Uh, it was just a, uh, a, a really fun experience uh, to be there. Uh, the uh, South Carolina faithful came in hot, and they, they left a lot cooler. Uh, <laughs> So uh, that was fun to experience. Uh, you know, uh, the, there's several things about it, and, and we'll get into it more. Um, but I think the uh, biggest takeaways for me is that at least we have one example of proof of concept of a Gene Chiswick defense. You know, that defense worked well, and – built and designed by Gene Chiswick and maybe with some, an assist by Monachino and some other people, but, um, it worked the way that I think Gene Chiswick would want it to work. Um, I mean, it was, it was just unbelievable. I I'm feeling really good about my over under picks on sacks for the year. Uh, uh, I think I've got a, a leg up there. Uh, on that over and under prediction. So the the sacks, the tackles for loss, I, I didn't think uh, – I think Jason misled me a little bit about secondary play because I, I don't think it was quite as good as what Jason expected it to be. Um, but other than that, the uh, – and, and the offense was – Chip Lindsey had as much to, you know, on the line really as Chiswick did because, you know, he's unproven at UNC and 
Um, he's got the keys to the Ferrari, but <laughs> he's also expected to win every race with it. Right. Uh, so, um, and it was fun to see a few different things like it's been a while since I've seen a wildcat formation at UNC, I think. Um, I, in fact, I can't remember the last one and, uh, a wide receiver carry, um, by doc Chapman, um, and other things that were a little different, a more unusual, um, they, they got a hundred about 170 yards on the ground rushing. So, uh, I think both of the coordinators, uh, checked some boxes last night for me. Um, and that is very promising heading into the season. And Tom, you can't win them all unless you win the first one. Exactly, Buck. And uh, I'm muting myself while y'all are talking because of all the music and the chaos. But so if if I get called out for being muted, we're just going to have to let it slide. Jason, uh, we talked a lot about what North Carolina needed to do. Um, and they accomplished a lot of those goals. But just give me your first couple of takeaways because I felt like um, you know, we can bang on the defense all last year, but it was sort of a building block and a process, pretty clearly a process, and then they got a couple more pieces in place. But you called him out before the game. You called him out all, all season, all spring. Kamon Rucker was just ridiculous on Saturday night. Yeah, well, I mean, I there are a few things uh, from uh, – from this uh, off season that I, I feel pretty good about now. <laughs> some things I went out at a limb on uh, after seeing some, some practice and some other things in the spring and all of that. And um, one thing you remember, I, I, as you said, I'd, I'd been very, very positive about, about their move of, of Rucker to that rush end or, or uh, buck position and, uh, or Jack or whatever they call it. Um, and, you know, he first, first game returns were pretty dang good. <laughs> Uh, but uh, just the defensive line in general, I think you saw the manifestation of exactly what they were trying to work on all off season and some of the things that they should have been doing the last couple of years and didn't really pull off in terms of fundamentals and in terms of, of doing things right. And in terms of overall physicality and, uh, and just the general approach of intensity up front. I mean, that was, I, I thought that was uh, the, the defensive line early on and then through the rest of the game, they maintain this, set the tone. And this is what happens. Defensive line sets the tone for the physicality of your football team in a lot of ways. And, you know, by playing with their hair on fire the way that they did and 12 tackles for loss, that's how you play good defensive football. I mean, it's very, very difficult to play to play defense in the current era. I mean, all the rules favor the offense. I mean, you can't even tackle a guy too hard. Just ask Don Chapman, right? You know, the whistle hasn't blown. And, you know, the guy, if, if, you, if you stay with him and just hug him on the, on the waist, he's a little bigger than you are. So he may just break that tackle. So you, you can't be assured of, of, uh, of um, forward progress. So, you, you know, pick him up off his feet and dump him a little bit. And there you go, first down. It's tough to play defense these days. But – the one way that you can play defense still is if your defense, if your defensive line just wrecks things up front and they can't, they can't get a push. They can't get time for the quarterback to set his feet and throw things get a lot easier when you, when you do things there. And 
what we saw was basically the manifestation of what they've worked on and finally seeing some of that blue chip talent that is that is older and should should be it you know it's now or never for those guys to make an impact those guys made an impact on the game and they look like a bunch of blue chip defensive linemen should look and of course the least heavily recruited one of them all is the best one out there right now and that's rucker and he that guy's gonna get drafted uh, that guy's gonna gonna play. I think he's you know I've said for what three years I would pound the table for him as an NFL scout. Uh, he he's just a football player. He's the kind of guy I would want on my team. But one guy, uh, you know, we can we can go down the laundry list. Rucker was fantastic, of course. Amari Gaynor really showed his stuff. I'll come back to Jason for him. But I thought Bo Atkinson was. He played like a monster out there. I mean, I mean, we've seen him in person. The dude is is has gotten his body to be just in great physical shape. He plays with an edge. But when twelve was out there chasing the quarterback, I think that kind of like that's when you sort of realize, well, wait a minute now, North Carolina's defense is doing something here. What did you see from him and any of the other guys on that defensive front? Not named Cayman Rucker. I, I think the great part of. Um that development is that when you've got a defensive line that uh, and the starters are playing well, and they were, um, you know, Des Evans got a sack right after uh, Bo Atkinson did. And I, I think that matches his career total, doesn't it? Uh, uh, something like that. But uh, Des was playing well. And so when you've got people like um, – you know, Dez and um, Kevin Hester and Miles Murphy and, uh, you know, everybody else on the on the D-line playing well, then if you've got a player like Bo, he can come in, contribute, you know, a certain number of, of sack, uh, a certain number of snaps and give that starter uh, a blow on the sidelines, and then that just makes the starter better. That depth, you know, is is a big deal uh, on the defensive line. More so, obviously, the offensive line hardly ever leaves the field. But chasing a quarterback and, and getting guys on the ground by the defensive line, they need some rest, and they haven't been getting that the last couple of years. So uh, it's a big deal that somebody they can turn to somebody like Bo Atkinson, who's a good football player in his own right, to come in and give uh, this one a blow. Uh, that's that's just uh, icing on the cake there. Jason, coming back to you on Amari Gaynor, but I also want to flesh that question out a little bit. Gaynor obviously has the skills and the speed and all, and ran down Rattler a couple times, but. Uh, in addition to Gainer, what did you see from a from a technique or scheme or, or whatever, however you want to take this? I felt like they were playing much harder than they played at times last year, um, but it's deeper than that, I think. What did you see in that aspect? And also, tell me about Amari Gainer and what you thought of his play. First of all, it's easier to look like – so. This is a hard thing. So sometimes guys are playing really hard and you can't tell that they're playing hard just because they're not playing well. It's easier to look like you're playing hard 
when you're playing low and when you're playing with good fundamentals and when you're doing your job the right way, and then you play with that effort, all of a sudden you start to see it pay off. And then that actually compounds that because you're like, oh, shoot, this is working. And then it's, you know, chum in the water. And that's how defensive lines work. You know, you get that you, you get the first little signs of blood early on, and then all of a sudden those guys start to get amped up. And that, that's what happened is they started seeing like, oh, all this work that we've been putting in on doing this and playing low and, and working through, you know, firing off and getting the first and second steps into the, into the proper gap and using our hand. Oh, my gosh, this is working. <laughs> and you can almost see that at different points where, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I was imagining it, but there were a few times last night where I was looking at the reactions of the defense and you could almost see a – like a, a, a the oh wow wow this is this is happening this is working kind of celebration from some of these guys where they're they were actually you know they were just overjoyed to actually this this happened um and once that starts to once that starts to work and you start to see the payoff of doing things the right way then you can amp that up and then the physicality just builds on itself and i thought there was a good bit of that uh, now, of course, you know, you, you also mentioned Amari and, you know, Amari is, is there's never been any question about his ability to get downhill, his uh, ability to get after the quarterback, you know, the burst that he has. And then, you know, the couple plays where you could see Rattler try to escape. The one was so impressive because Rattler tries to escape the pocket to the left and, you know, Gaynor had a little a little loop stunt to the inside and then just chased him down from inside out. And you could see Rattler kind of taken off to the left and then realizing like, oh, shoot, there is no way I'm outrunning this guy. Because Gaynor's closing speed has always been just absolutely first rate. And you could see that a couple times. Now, the one sack was a freebie. I mean, that was a scheme thing. South Carolina, their whole offensive line, slid to the left and Gainer was coming from the offense's right and was completely unblocked. Well, if you leave that guy unblocked, he's going to be there in about 1.8 sec or what 1.1 seconds, <laughs> you know, so you better be getting that ball off quick and he's not missing that tackle. That's the other thing is, you know, on that one, you notice again, Rattler did a great job of stepping up and initially evading, but Gainer's strength. And that's something that, you know, at two, 230 probably right now is where he's, he's probably at. It, it's really easy to forget how strong he is and how strong his hands are because he got his hand on him and just pulled him down. Uh, a lot of guys you just, you know, they end up, they end up kind of overrunning that a little bit because they come in with that kind of speed. And then, you know, they get the hand on there and how many times do you see the guy get the hand on there and then the quarterback just kind of breaks contain. And then you end up in a chase situation. Quarterback makes a throw on the run. And this one, it was the strength that finished it. So, you know, he's, he's going to be an important option for this defense as that designated pass rusher, as a guy that can also drop and cover. I mean, we saw that in practice. I, you know, I saw it the last few years when he was at Florida State. Uh, he, gives them, he gives them some really fun dimensions against some offenses that are going to try to test them in the passing game. And again, that's just one more guy on a defensive line that now looks like it's finally turned the corner. Yeah, it's tough not to give total props to the defensive line, but, Buck, I'm going to come back to you. Uh, 
earlier you you didn't think the secondary played as good as maybe we expected or you expected or or Jason hinted at. I thought I thought they picked on Holloway a little bit. Leggett is legit for South Carolina, and they made some plays there, and Rattler made some throws under pressure. But I thought, and Buck, I want you to take in Jason's, I thought the secondary did enough to allow that defensive line to, to get where they needed to get. And also, we talked about Huzzy all offseason, you know, since he's gotten there. And somebody in the chat mentioned, and I think it's a great point, and it's where I was going, it's Richard Allred in the chat. Don't remember any big missed tackles from last night. Just let's talk about that back end a little bit, Buck. Holloway, uh, Marcus Allen, Biggers, Chapman was out there. I didn't. I don't remember seeing Derek Allen a lot, if he was out there at all. Um, but Mac thought that they could put Huzzy in the slot and still be able to hold up. As Dixon says in the chat, yes, Boykins being out affects a lot. But your take on this secondary – and then, Jason, I want you after that. Well, you know, I don't think they played terrible. You know, uh, but, like, Spencer Rattler was 30 of 39. I mean, he played very well. I mean, we might not think he played well, but he was in under constant pressure. I mean, he sacked nine times. And he still completed 30 or 39 passes for, what, 350 yards, something crazy like that. Um, so you got to give credit where credit's due. Rattler's a good quarterback. Um, and we saw evidence of that last year when they beat Clemson. Um, I think they beat them at, at Clemson too. And, uh, then they beat Tennessee all both uh, Tennessee was like fifth in the nation at the time. So, I mean, they they were capable last year. They lost some pieces off the offensive line, which, you know, meant that they could not hold up against the pressure that North Carolina was bringing. Um, so uh, maybe I'm being a little too hard on the on the uh, secondary uh, because you you got to give credit where credit's due as well. I mean, Rattler's not um, you know chopped liver at, at quarterback. So uh, now the point that you were making about the tackling, that's true. I mean, absolutely true that uh, the secondary and the defensive line and the linebackers, I mean, the things that we knew coming into the year sort of was that Sid Gray and Power Eccles will be okay at linebacker and everything else on the defense was, we'll see. I mean, we don't know if the defensive line is going to step up. We don't know. You know, they've completely uh, rebuilt the secondary. I mean, Marcus Allen, I think, had just one or two games starting last year. Um, but Elijah Huzzy definitely can tackle in space. Uh, most of those guys can tackle in space. Uh, we didn't see them uh, just whiffing on uh, you know, tackles last night. So that's very encouraging to me that, uh, cause that's something that's repeatable, right? Which is another thing we probably ought to get out of the way. A lot of people will talk about you. Well, you've got to factor in the opponent. Yeah. The, the defense played well, but, uh, defensive, uh, the offense of South Carolina, the offensive line of Swiss cheese. So it was pretty easily done. 
they haven't played like that against anyone in, <laughs> in a very long time. I mean, not against Campbell, not against Wofford. You know, I don't care who you you know bring into the conversation. Uh, this was not uh, a fluke kind of thing. Uh, a lot of what they we saw last night. The good news is repeatable, and tackling is a big part of that. If you know how to tackle, you're not going to forget that from one game to the next. That's a great point there. I mean, I, I'm Carolina's defense looked very good. I don't think South Carolina was very good, and. and you know, if that team wins six ball games, that's beside the point. To your point, Buck, is that North Carolina did things that they haven't done against anybody in the last couple of years. Um, you know, I got folks now that are going to take my table away and all that stuff. But anyway, Jason, get in here on the secondary and the back end. Yeah, I, I think the secondary actually played reasonably well. I mean, uh, there were some things that I, you know, I, I think you'd want to clean up. Um, I thought actually. Huzzy played did not play as well as I've seen him play in practice and and just in general. Uh, the move to the star, you know, he, look, he's going to be a really good player in there. If he has to play, you know, star all year, he's still going to be really good and he's still going to be an asset for that defense. But he struggled a couple times, and you know, the one drop on fourth down that could have gone for potentially a touchdown. That little out route because you know, he got beat, and that that receiver's fast, fast. Uh, there, there are a couple times where Carolina's speed uh, on the outside with their slots and, and some of those guys caused some problems for them. Um, and then, of course, you mentioned, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, Le- 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 uh, Legarrett, I think is. Yeah. Uh, or Leggett. I'm sorry. Leggett. Uh, Leggett's, uh, you know, Leggett's a, a dude. He's 6'3 and change and, you know, fifth year guy. And they did take advantage of. Uh, of Teon Holloway some there. But the reality is that Teon Holloway was in good coverage position on pretty much every one of those. And not just in, you know, good or at least decent coverage position, but but in good enough coverage position to get his head around, to locate the football, to get his hands in position where if that's anything but an on-target throw and a really athletic, you know, big dude going up and mossing him, He's either coming down with that football or making up, you know, get breaking up the pass. That's one of the, you know, most of the times where he gave up, he gave up catches and he gave up, you know, I'm looking at the coverage stuff here for Tayon. Uh, he gave up, uh, let's see, 134 yards on eight catches. So they definitely picked on him. But out of those eight catches, I would say at least six of them were tip your cap plays. Where it's like, look, you're you're in the right position, son. You're 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 doing this the way that you're coached to do it. It's just a great catch, a great throw, and a great catch is 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 going to win. And you just have to keep forcing him to great catch, great throw. I mean, the, the the equivalent is you know playing defense in basketball. Sometimes you're the guy that you know you're guarding Steph Curry or you're guarding you know Clay Thompson when he goes to inferno levels. And you're there. Your job is to stay in front of that guy, get your hand in his face, try to get a hand on the, on the ball as much as you can, and just make it tough on him. And sometimes that guy's going to hit eight threes right in your face, and there's just nothing you can do about it. But all you can do is go, look, that's great defense. Nothing you can do. That's just a great shooter. Okay, well, that's different from some of the stuff we saw last year 
and the year before where you've got corners chasing in bad position who are out of leverage you know they're out uh, they're you know out of phase as you, as they say as defensive backs uh, back coaches talk about it and aren't in position to make plays and are just you know ho- trying to commit pass interference at the last minute so that it doesn't turn into a big play we didn't see that last night uh, there were a few busts and things as you expect on, on in a in a game one we talked about that going in that there's going to be some stuff you know that five play drive before the end of the first half was one where you know they're going to go back to that and and they caught him a couple times on little alignment things and some and some things that uh where, where they got some uh some rubs and some things that didn't work exactly right defensively but they got some of that fixed and then and then went on from there. I mean, when you give up 17 points in this era, that means your secondary played pretty well, regardless of what happened in front. Now, again, as Buck said, it's a whole lot easier to play back there when you have and and you know looking at the numbers, I was wrong. It was not it was not 12 tackles for loss. It's 16. When your front has 16 tackles for loss and nine sacks, it does make it a lot easier on your back on your on your secondary. But the secondary still did their jobs. And I thought, you know, Marcus Allen looked great. Uh, Huzzy, you know, was he was okay in the slot. I, I thought he had kind of a forgettable first game, but he set the tone with some stuff early. And, again, I thought Holloway made the guys he was covering earn it every time. And that's all you can really ask from those positions in today's era. Stick right here, and, Buck, I'll get back to you in a second, but – did my eyes deceive me, but they moved Huzzy outside towards the end of the game and, and put DJ Jones in the star to give Holloway some help out there, or did I just miss that? I mean, that's a tape review thing, Jason. I know, DJ, but. DJ did come in some. He played He played 15 snaps, uh, and most of that was, was later in the game once they had a little bit of cushion. Uh, he also played some some safety at that. He wasn't always in the star spot. So they, they came in and late there were times where they were playing uh, six defensive backs and they had uh, they had him in at, at, at safety a little bit too. So key takeaways for me before I take a Johnny T-shirt break, uh, Buck's point to be, it being repeatable. The things they were doing is re- are repeatable and not talking about the mistakes, talking about the positives that they made. And also – the defensive front, to Jason's point, when they're creating the havoc that we talked about, I think it was 9% of blitz plays last year created havoc. Well, South Carolina probably saw havoc on 50% of their offensive snaps uh, last night. I'm those about things to look that bo- up, actually. But, those but things bode well. I got one thing for you here, one more thing before you go to Johnny T-shirt, and that is snaps on the defensive line. I just looked this up. Snaps on the defensive line. This is really helpful. Obviously, you're going to get Kamon Rucker. He's your bell cow. He's got the most. He had 66, which is an awful lot. But after that, you had Tamari Fox with 38, Ritzy with 36, Miles Murphy with 33, Hester with 21, Gaynor with 21, Bo Atkinson with 15. And then uh, Cowan came in at the end uh, with, with five. Uh, Travis Shaw had five. But when you're getting your, your interior guys, when, you're, when your defensive tackles are able to split like that and you're going one defensive tackle with 38, another with 36, another with 33, and another with 21, that, that, that's pretty good. That, that's a really nice rotation where those guys can also play as, at their absolute peak and play their hardest because the moment they're tired, the next guy's on the field and he's playing at, at a similar level. That helps a lot. Yeah. 
can't wait till later in the week or as the week goes on, the defensive breakdowns that you'll do, the the PFF stuff that'll come out to see what happens, uh, see what happened, you know, with the experts watching it. But right now I'm going to talk about Johnny T-shirt. There's literally a bird uh, flying around in the breakfast area here in the <laughs> Weston. Um, you can't make this stuff up first. Uh, you know, Johnny T-shirt has always been good to us. They've always been good to Inside Carolina subscribers. So take care of them and take time to shop. I've seen a ton of Carolina gear here in Charlotte, um, and it was a lot more after all the South Carolina people fled relatively early. But I need to see more Johnny T-shirt gear. I saw a lot, need to see a lot more. Visit them on Franklin Street, visit them online. 10% off if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. And, of course, they're always sponsors of this show. Let national guys pay the bills. This is the day after with 550 folks watching this live and a couple birds off to the side. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Buck, I'm getting you back here. That's Buck Sanders, Jason Staples. I'm Tommy Ashley in uh, the sunny Western lobby, uh, lobby in Charlotte. Buck, we didn't have to lead with the Drake May portion of the show. Uh, I mean, that is – I don't know what makes me more excited that we don't have to pin everything on Drake. I thought Drake was pretty good yesterday. Uh, I don't think he was at his finest. I think one of those interceptions, possibly two, were not really on him, but he still threw two. What do you think overall of Drake and that, you know, British Brooks and, and Amarion Hampton, that offensive backfield against South Carolina? Well, first of all, you could put um, games that North Carolina played last year kind of in two categories. Games that uh, – North Carolina needed a miracle from Drake May and he delivered and they won and games where they needed a miracle from Drake May and didn't get it and lost. I mean, just like every, virtually every game came down to a Drake May miracle being needed and they won or lost a game depending on whether he could provide it. Just looking at the close games they had, they had nine of them, nine, one score games they won six and they lost three but most of the time they drake may had to step up and come through or they weren't going to win the game last night was one of those games where even though and i've told tommy this at the time we were texting it was 31 to, four, to 17 and i wasn't sure the game was over there in the fourth quarter you know, they were a touchdown and an onside kick away from, 
you know, pulling an NC State um, on UNC. But in any event, for the most part, they were uh, they moved the ball well, consistently. Uh, I was pleased to see uh, British Brooks be able to be the lead back for a while. Uh, I don't know if he's going to hold that position all year. I'm kind of pulling for him that he does, but, um, you know, British Brooks and Amari and Hampton are both a load. And I thought that really hurt South Carolina in the second half at times that they just, they got tired of tackling somebody that weighs 230 pounds combined. They had 31 carries. So, um, both great things. They had 170 yards, 31 carries from those two guys. Uh, they didn't need a miracle from Drake may to, um, win the game. And in fact, they, if you count it this way, the onside kick is a turnover. They gave up three turnovers and still won the game. Two of them on offense. Um, so not only did they not need a miracle, they were over able to overcome some things um, that didn't turn out so well on offense. So it's very pleasing uh, to see. Uh, and I think what Chip Lindsey is doing as an offensive coordinator will grow on me. Uh, you know, the, the things he's doing, the wide receiver carry, three tight end set, scored one of the touchdowns uh, in the red zone. One time, South Carolina had 13 players on the field. North Carolina scored anyway. Uh, so, uh, you know, the offense, the best thing about last night's game, last night's game is the offense was not the story of the game one way or the other. You know, the last four games of uh, the 22 season, the offense was kind of the story of the game because they just floundered in those four games for the most part. And the other uh, nine wins were all about how good the offense was. So the, the offense not having to be the story of the game was some of the best news that we got as uh, people that follow UNC football. Jason, great point by Buck there at the end. Offense, not the story. Let's talk about it a little bit. What did you think of Chip Lindsey's uh, day one tape, game one tape? I thought it was interesting at times. I love how when you follow game threads or listening to people, you know, football games are 60 minutes, and there's a lot can happen in 60 minutes. Um, so rarely is the first 10 so terribly important, especially in relatively close game, but Overall, Lindsey's approach, Lindsey's uh, play calling here, and then the execution of it, specifically by Drake. So I'm going to read you a message that got sent to me by another by by another coach uh, at, who was who was watching this game last night. He said, "Chip Lindsey is the best thing to happen to UNC since Sam and Drake. It's so much better, so obvious." Okay. So that, that was an outside eye, all right? <laughs> um, the, the next thing that I'll do is I'll just say this. First drive of the game, Carolina gets a first and 10 from the nine-yard line. First and goal, or I'm sorry, first and goal from the nine-yard line on the first drive, right? Against an SEC defense, even if that's not the best SEC defense out there. And they ran the ball three times and punched it in. 
Now, let me ask you this. When was the last time North Carolina got the football against a defense with a pulse, first and goal from the nine, ran the football three times, and just pounded it in and imposed their will on a defense? Or on, uh, that, that, I can't remember the last time that happened. I, I sure remember, can't. I, I remember they had a first and nine uh, during the ACC championship game against Clemson, and it ended up being like a first and 40. Uh, they got backed up so bad, but that was a good Clemson defense. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a better Clemson defense than this group. But still, like, if you can line it up on goal line, in, you know, from the nine-yard line and run it three times and punch it in against a an FBS Power 5 defense, if you can do that with any any level of consistency, then then you're doing something right. One of the things that I really like about what Lindsey and that group did is – they, 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 they used personnel and formation to provide a lot of variation in what they did without overcomplicating in terms of the concepts that they're actually running. So you saw a lot more variety from Carolina's offense last night, but it wasn't a whole lot more in terms of the stuff that, would, that the players would actually have to know. Right. So it's it's not much, much less simple for players, but it is a lot more for the defense to prepare against. And I do think they had counters to counters in, in, in yesterday's game that were evident. And one of the things that I just loved was the overall level of physicality was different. I thought that was something that was true on the deep. I mean, we talked about it already. The defensive line and the defense as a whole played a more physical brand of football than we've seen in Chapel Hill for a while. Right. And then I think part of that goes back to if you look at what they did when they were on offense, they lined it up and they they ran the football when they wanted to run the football. And, you know, that that goal line, the final final play of that goal line sequence, which I think is one of the ones I'm going to break down later for for my stuff. How many offensive linemen were on the on the field there? Did you notice that? Was it seven? Six or seven. I'm looking at. Hold on. I'm looking. Is at that when South Carolina had 13? I yeah, mean, they kept. South Carolina they, had 13. <laughs> they kept running guys on, and nobody was running off. Yeah. So but, I'm looking at the. I'm looking at, at the screen here. I need to get the, the the a different angle here. But as far as I can tell, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, and three. It's either two tights and might. I think it's three tights and and then six uh, six offensive linemen. All right. And what they did is they put 78, a three, who's a 340-pound offensive tackle, and they lined him up at, 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 uh, at tight end. But they lined him up as the second tight end outside another 325-pound tackle who was lined up outside of another 315-pound offensive lineman. So they went unbalanced. You've got one guard and a tight end to the right of the, of the center, and then you have a whole lot of beef to the left going out guard tackle tight end and second tight end and then third and fourth tight end that's really hard on a defense to to even figure out how to line that up and then they quick huddled <laughs> so they ran to the line of scrimmage quickly and then just pounded it in it's that sort of thing that's not hard to do for an offense, you just have that personnel package. You just do it. You got like two or three things you do out of it. You've got a couple passes, little play actions off of it. It's just something you add in and you don't have to spend a lot of time on it because everybody knows like this is your job. Here's where you're going to line up done. 
But defensively, I can tell you this is going to take ten, you know, five or ten minutes of prep time for the opposing defensive coordinator this next week. You're, you're, he's going to have to look at this and work with his defense of, okay, on the goal line, they're going to probably go unbalanced at some point. All right, if they go unbalanced, linebackers, you got to be alert. You got And now they're going to have to figure out how you're going to line up and fit this. That makes it hard. And that's one of the things I really believe in as, a, as an offensive coordinator. I believe you need to do stuff that's simple for your guys but makes it much harder and adds to the overall preparation load for the defense. And what I saw is a lot of that sort of thing from Lindsay and staff in this one. And then the other thing is I saw a lot of guys finishing blocks. Go, you know, the, 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 four, the what? Third, Willie. Third, uh, Willie especially. Willie did it. But you know who else I want to give a helmet sticker to is 88. Oh, yes. That kid just blocked his tail off. And he's not a kid. He's a fifth-year guy. He's, that's a grown man. And he blocked like a grown man. He blocked his tail off in this game, and he finished some blocks. There was that one, uh, I think it was a fourth down conversion. I can't remember if it was the third or fourth down conversion to the right side uh, toward the middle of the field, about middle portion of the game. And if you go back and you watch that, that's the one that Willie Lampkin pulled on. And, you know, they, they highlighted that. But I was watching the tight end. The tight end crashed down on this, and 88 just absolutely put a guy on his back. And it was the finish and it was the, the, the just outright dog cussed meanness of it that I'm sitting there going, dang straight, dang straight, son. That's the way to do it. Like I'm like the coach in me is, is going, yes, this is what you got to see. And, and I, you know, give Freddie kitchens all, you know, all the credit uh, he, he deserves for that one to get his group to, to block like they did, but the tight ends block their tails off and you just saw an overall level of physicality from Carolina in this game that you've not seen in a long time. And so for me, this is a, this is a solid a grade, not just for chip Lindsay, but for the whole offensive staff in how they approach this game, you know, not an a plus. Cause there's some things you can nitpick with of like, well, you know, I don't like, I don't like that call. And a couple things that, you know, you saw in terms of little pieces of execution. And I don't think they'd give themselves an a grade, but I'm giving them an a grade just because of the overall level of preparation and the physicality and the difference in approach that you saw that is much more in line with my preference as an offensive guy. Let me, let me chime in with uh, the stat line for the tight ends. They had nine catches, over 100 yards, and a touchdown. Um, if you can get that out of your tight end position every <laughs> game, you'll take it. You know, I mean, nine catches, over 100 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, and, and stay with you, Buck. And the sun, you know, I sat where I knew the sun wouldn't be a problem. It's coming off the glass building across the street, and I'm afraid to move because we got this rolling and a ton of people in here. Let's get over 600, folks. So call some folks. Get us up over 600 before we get out of here in a little bit. But, Buck, to, to Jason's point there about the physicality, we talked about the physicality on the defensive side. It was something we haven't seen in a long time. You and I have been watching North Carolina football pretty in-depth for a long, long time. And, and we've seen some nasty offensive line play. I felt like yesterday or last night, uh, it was different than it has been the last couple of years. Uh, saw Willie Lampkin in the elevator earlier um, yesterday. He is such a nice young man. 
<laughs> meek and mild, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. And then he gets a football helmet on and he runs out on the field. He's just mean SOB. It is, it is fascinating to watch the transition. Um, but, Buck, the physicality on offense, your take there. Well, you know, uh, like Willie says, uh, they weren't out there trying to make friends with anybody um, last night. He says, I don't need any friends, Willie Lampkin did in his interview. I- I'm not out there to make friends when I'm playing, <laughs> when I'm playing an offensive uh, line. You know, I think some of that, uh, probably a big portion of that, is uh, down to Randy Clements. You know, I, I think that's – he he is just uh, just kind of something he probably insists on. No, he you know, does. It, I can tell you that he definitively does. There's no probably. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, uh, he could work with technique, you know, and uh, and your hands and your feet, and work with all those things. Try to get your pad level low. But what he really wants is for you to arrive where you're supposed to be with bad intentions. Um, and, and that, that's something you can assist, insist on every time. It's kind of like, you know, Tommy, you and I have talked about this before. Rebounding in basketball is all effort. You know, it's, if you want that ball and you're going to go up and get it, you're going to go up and get it. I mean, it's not always about, you know, the tallest player or whatever. Uh, it's about effort. Um, I mean, Dennis Rodman was a freak. Uh, at rebounding, and that's because he never took a second off when that ball was on the, you know, on the backboard. He went and got it, um, and so uh, <laughs> that's a pretty good comment. I'll read it. Uh, <laughs> Tommy put up. Randy Clements looks like a guy who fuels his Chevy C10 with moonshine so he can get to his fight club. Um, <laughs> I would just you know put it. I would just put it like I, I wouldn't want to get him mad at me and and have to meet him in an alley somewhere. You know, that's not something that is is on my bucket list. That's on my ducket list. Uh, <laughs> Somebody so, needs to frame that comment and send it to Randy. He's going to put it up on his wall. Uh, so, uh, you know, th- th- that that physicality is what he's. In, insisting on uh and and it shows and i think guys like uh willie lampkin um you know there's a a contagious factor at play there you know when they see another guy just busting it you know play after play it you know kind of rubs off on uh other people so i I think those are the two things that that uh kind of help explain the the physicality there one's randy Clements and the other is just, uh, you know, players like Willie rubbing off on other guys. I thought William Barnes did pretty well at left tackle, by the way. I don't know how he graded out, but uh, there was no sacks given up. So, Jason, a little bit more on the offensive line here because I definitely want to get to the receivers before we go. But Buck brought in Barnes there. Um, I think I saw Diego Pounds a little bit late. Your overall on the offensive line is as far as protecting Drake. I know North Carolina did some things to move him around and all, but just at a first blush, without really reviewing a ton of tape, what'd you see there 
um, that maybe we haven't seen. Uh, I felt like the no sacks is a big deal for North Carolina. It doesn't matter what defense they're playing. They, they've given up, you know, multiple sacks in multiple games in multiple years. Um, but the Clements impact, the, the Freddie Kitchens impact, and all just in the offensive line there. Well, again, I mean, the biggest difference is physicality. Uh, and I thought they played lower in, in the run game. They got – one of the things I, I emphasized all offseason, knowing Randy, knowing what he likes to do as an offensive line coach, and then how Chip Lindsey was implementing this in, in practice, one thing I told everybody to expect is that the offensive line is going to focus on getting vertical displacement. They're trying to move people backwards. So this is not just a step and try to let us, let things develop and let a seam happen. There's no passivity to the way that they're coaching offensive line. They want guys to get after you and to move you backwards. And we saw that. Now, in terms of the pass, pass blocking and some of that, you know, there, there's still room to grow there. Um, I, I, thought, I thought William Barnes had a bit of a rough time as a pass blocker. Um, thing is Drake May is so good and they got rid of it so well and you know I think they I think they did a good job of scheming for kind of what they what they could expect up front in terms of where pressure might come from and all that they did a great job of anticipating all of that and giving giving May answers for that uh and the other thing is I thought I thought Drake's footwork looked my night and day better than it did in prior years he looked more under control in the pocket was and was more prepared to throw on rhythm and to check down when he needed to. So those are all things that help. But I did think that there were some things that on the offensive line, if I'm a defensive scout, if I'm if I'm an analyst or I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm looking at this, I am seeing some places that I want to attack. And I'm mostly wanting to attack that left side of the offensive line some with with some pressure and with some games and things and, and put my best pass rusher right over William Barnes, you know, some things that I can, I can do to potentially cause some problems. Uh, so I don't think it's a work, it's a finished work. And I don't think, you know, we can talk about Carolina's offensive line having fully gotten there by any stretch. Uh, but again, so much of, of, of line play and, uh, offensive football in this respect is just mentality and willingness to be physical and to play with good fundamentals. And they, they did show that. Uh, I do want to see some, some things. I want to see some, some further improvement on some stuff, but I thought Gaynor and, uh, and Willie Lampkin were probably the best two up front last night. Uh, I am really curious to see if, we did see at the end of the game, we saw some packages with Diego Pounds at left tackle and William Barnes at, at right guard to finish. And that, looking at what we saw last night, if they can get that get to that personnel group by midseason and really feel like those guys can, can gel in that group, I do think that's probably your best bet. Uh, but all in all, you can't be disappointed by what you saw from, from Carolina's offensive line last night. I mean, I just, I'm going to pull up the numbers again here. If you look at overall rushing yards here, you've got, you know, power rushing. Carolina had seven attempts in the power rushing scenario where, you, you know, it's third and short, third and goal, you know, these goal-to-go scenarios. And 
Anybody have any idea of what the success rate was for Carolina on power rushing last night? Take a guess. Sixty percent. I said sixty-five. They were a hundred percent. They went seven for seven wow. in power rushing yesterday. Good gracious. Seven for seven. And okay. And I ha- I haven't seen it yet, but uh, the offensive efficiency uh, rating that. Uh, SP plus does. Um, it's going to be tasty. Just the, the naked half. from the naked eye. Um, they were getting about five yards on every first down. I mean, r- either running or throwing the ball. They they were, uh, you know, to the naked eye. I mean, I, I don't have the stats on that, but that's how it looked. Average first down yardage per uh, average yardage per first down. 5.1 yards for Carolina. So the stats bear that out. The stats yeah, okay. bear it out. So, you know, it's 131 first down plays, 159 total yards on first down. So, and that's that's 5.1 yards per play. And now that's 3.2 yards per rush on first down. They'd like that number to be a little higher. But, you know, that's okay. Now, the concerning part is as well as Carolina played on defense – South Carolina averaged 7.1 yards per play on first down. Now, that's because of a couple explosives. They only averaged 2.8 yards per carry on first down. But that's, you know, if you look at what Gene Chizik is going to look at uh, in terms of these numbers when he's evaluating and, and, and when they go through film review and all that, that's going to be the first thing they need, to, they need to look at and correct is some of the first down passing that, that Spencer Rattler was able to do. South Carolina had more more success on first down passing than they needed to. Now, Carolina, as soon as, as soon as they were in favorable leverage, as soon as it was not first and 10 and a neutral down, and it was any sort of longer yardage, you know, again, they averaged 2.8 yards per, per play when running the ball on first down. As soon as they got in that leverage, it was over because Carolina dominated second and third and long. So, uh, you know, South Carolina was 0, 0 for 4 on third and long. Uh, they, you know, average third down distance to go was 8.8 yards. So that was, you know, that's where the game was won. But, yeah, you, you would like to see the defense handle those first down passes better for sure. And if I'm scouting and, and if I'm if I'm a, an opposing team coming into this next game or, you know, future games against Carolina, I'm throwing the football a bunch on first down because I think I think that defensive line showed it can stop the stop the run on first down. And I want to take advantage of 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 that. Uh, while I can on first down. But getting back to the offense, 5.1 yards, 3.2 yards per carry on first down, that's okay. But the biggest thing was in those power rushing scenarios, they, they did their job. And then in, term of, in terms of overall sacks and, and that sort of thing, well, I mean, how many sacks did they give up? Zero. Right? So... Zero sacks given up. Some of that's on, on Drake May because he got rid of the football like he was supposed to. And on a couple plays where he, he held it and held it a little longer than you'd like, he got rid of it and, you know, a couple cases made some ridiculous throws. Uh, he, he held it for the right reasons. So, you know, you're really pleased with that. But you give up zero sacks and you're seven for seven on power rushing. That's a good start. Definitely a good start. North Carolina beat South Carolina 31-17 in a game that was not as close as its score indicates, I think. 
Um, we need to start getting wrapped up here. Shout out to the 600 plus that came in here during this. We got a lot of questions. I promise you we'll get them answered over the course of the week. I've marked them. Uh, one of the ones, uh, John Fox said, do you want to do a, a do-over on your over-under show? Uh, that'll be an interesting take that we'll take up during the week. Um, I have to look at the numbers. I'm afraid to, like I said, I'm afraid to check the stats while I'm sitting here and, and don't want to mess anything up for you guys in the stream. Uh, shout out to Mr. Woodall, Mr. Woodall from Granada, West Indies. Uh, I hope your son is as bright as mine out there. Billy Collins says props to Huzzy as a punt returner. This is a thing that I was saying, just catch the ball. Just catch the ball. And he came up and caught the ball every time. Uh, Sean Lovett, how many times did UNC have multiple tight ends on the field? That's something Jason can look at. I have those numbers right here. So um, they were in 12, uh, let's see, 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, uh, 17 times. They were in 22 four times and 23 once. There you go. It's amazing what stats can do. Yancey Collins says, T.A., what does UNC need to do to improve this week for App? Buck, I'll let you get that one and wrap us up as we get out of here on the day after. Improvements for next week with App State coming into town. But Well, uh, I think correcting, uh, although my uh, – default position on turnovers is they're random events anyway. But uh, going 3-0, and if you count the onside kick in the turnover department, that's something you probably need to correct. Um, but, but other than that, I just say, you know, keep doing the good things that you're doing and just make marginal uh, improvement on the margins moving forward every week. Uh, clean up a, you know, a little – technique issue here and there but there's nothing i don't think they have to do this uh dramatic to prepare for app state this um coming weekend i, I do want to before we get off the air uh to uh, give a shout out to michael tester that uh, set up the tailgate show where we did the ic radio show yesterday um and, and if y'all didn't listen to that or you didn't come they uh, had David Hale on from ESPN as a guest, which was pretty impressive. Um, so, uh, and, and Michael puts out a, a great buff, you know, uh, lunch and tailgate fair. It was awesome. And, uh, so when we look forward to going to Charlotte, just so that we can, uh, get with uh, Michael tester and his tailgate crew. Absolutely. Uh, the tailgate, as always, was um, one of the coolest things we do at Inside Carolina. So shout out to Mike. Shout out to Frothy Beard Brewery. I know there's a lot of you guys out there that are watching this. Um, Jeff Polly, I see you talking about how crowded it was. That's a good thing, man. But just walk up and, and say hello. Bust to the front of the line and say hello. Um, love to meet everybody. Love to see everybody that comes out. And it's always a fun time. And advice for folks coming in in future uh times we do it drive your small car drive the smallest car you have they have a ton of food they've got a ton of drinks they'll take care of you there but if you drive a big truck or a big suburban or whatever parking is like a tetris puzzle there it is amazing what they get done jason i'm gonna let you close us out north carolina wins their opener 
Um, I think if we're honest, it surprised us all. I mean, we knew we knew North Carolina would do some different things. We did not know how they would do them or what it would look like. Um, but your your final thought on this one ahead of what you're going to do this week and sort of preview your content this week. And also, folks, get ready for Taylor Vipolis and Jeff Schottmer and us later today and more just ridiculous comment, uh, content on, East, on Inside Carolina. Jason, final thoughts. Yeah, um, biggest thing is you, you need to sustain the physicality moving forward. That, that's what you're looking for in this uh, moving to App State. You know, App State bullied you up front last year at different points, which is sad to say about a, about a Power 5 team getting bullied by a uh, group of five team up front a little bit. You had some trouble blocking them, and, and, you know, App's got some quick guys up front, so it's a little bit of a different challenge. But you want to be able to come in and make App one-dimensional, and the biggest thing that they need to improve is just to get some things in the secondary in terms of communication and just finishing plays, just cleaned up a little bit. You do that, and you can, you can handle business this next week and continue to get better. What you hope to do is to score and get enough, enough time early on to where you can start to work some of those young guys, the Diego pounds into the game and start to get those guys uh, more and more experience. But that's a little premature to start talking about that. You got to win the game first. And uh, I think the, the biggest thing is you just try to sell this to the ki- to, to, to the players of see, see what happens when you do things the right way, you play with physicality and, and you do it exactly the way you're supposed to. Here's areas where you didn't, Let's clean those up and let's see if we can dominate even more. That's what I'm, that's what my message to this team is. If I'm coaching this week is let's clean this up, clean this up, clean this up, and you'll see we'll have even more success than you did. And I think that that's how you, how you build and and move forward. There's not a whole lot to change. Yep. As Max said, post game, you got to stack good days, stack good things. North Carolina gets off to a good start. One thing I'd like to see them do is we talked about the physicality in the run game, be able to run that clock out at the end of the game and not have to punt it back to South Carolina. Other than that, keep stacking those good days for North Carolina football, keep those guys healthy, and keep getting those guys' experience. Um, It's going to be an interesting year, boys. I I had them beating South Carolina. Buck, I believe you did too. Jason, you did too. So not totally surprised there, uh, but how it came about, I think we can all agree. Nope, nope, we can't all agree it was surprising because remember what I said, they're going to beat South Carolina. Why? Drake May. No. They had a better quarterback. Defense. Oh, you did. Yes, yes, yes. I said, well, I, I'm, I'm going to take I'm going to take him, you know, Drake May gives him an advantage, but that's they're not true. they're going to beat South Carolina with the defense. Oh, uh, you've been waiting. You've been waiting to say that. You've been waiting I, to say that. I am not. Surprised He's had that bullet in the chamber for a little while. I, <laughs> I have. I have because I'm. I'm just saying, I, what I saw of them in practice in terms of some of that stuff from the defensive line and all this. The question was whether or not it was just that the offensive line was not playing well, but the defensive line has looked like that at different points in camp, and so this is not that surprising. You know, the hope is that they can sustain it and that they can stay healthy enough to sustain it. The Kimby Staples. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> but if you remember another uh, point like that, Tez Walker, we didn't even talk about the receivers. Kobe played well. Gavin, you know, credit to him, come back and make a big catch late after a couple drops. Uh, I said it wouldn't matter. 
I said, Tez Walker not playing against South Carolina mm-hmm. wouldn't matter. And people gave a lot of grief. Shout out to Eric Church for rolling out with the Tez Walker jersey. Drake May doing the same thing post game. I tell you what, they figured that situation out. McCollum gets healthy. Walker somehow is playing. North Carolina can have a special season, folks. I think but they might have scored 45 if Tez Walker played. They, uh, yes. Uh, it's, it is a whole different ball game with a young man like that. North Carolina 31-17. You've been listening to the first day after of the season. At least 12 more will come. Or at least 11 more. Maybe 12. Maybe 13. 14? I don't know. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> shout out to Johnny T-Shirt. Shout out to everybody that's been in the chat on a Sunday morning. And, again, shout out to folks that came to see us at the Frothy Beard Brewery. We'll be back next week at NC, Inside Carolina Live tailgate in the Bowls lot. And then, of course, a week from now, we'll be right here, preferably with less birds and less suntan. Jason Buck, always a pleasure. Thanks, Tommy. That bird escaped from the kitchen. It was not a rooster or a gamecock. It may be a little brother or sister. Peace, everybody. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.